Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. Like I said, we're taking a pause on the Gospel of Luke for one week. We'll be back there next week, Lord willing. Um, but I wanted to start this morning with a video. And in the video, there's a guy by the name of Penn Gillette. And if you're familiar with Penn and Teller, the magicians, I don't know if anyone's heard of Penn and Teller. Okay, these guys are kind of goofball magicians, and they've got all these, I think they have a show in Las Vegas, and they, they're seen on, you know, uh, Letterman and Leno and that kind of thing, uh, doing their thing. But um, Penn Gillette is obviously half of the magic show, and he's, the, he's kind of the spokesperson for it. But he's got these different weekly kind of like um, shows that he just tapes from his computer and talks about random things. He's a professing atheist, uh, so he doesn't really have any you know spiritual ties at all. He's um, he's got a book. I'm not trying to put his book out there. I'm not saying you should go watch their shows or anything like this. I just caught this video and I just thought it'd be interesting for us just to kind of um, to kind of get us thinking about what we're going to talk about today. So if we can just kill the lights, that would be helpful. Um, but we're going to watch this video. It's about three to four minutes long. And so, and then we're going to get up and we'll read from 2 Corinthians. So uh, let's watch the video if we could. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. Big guy. And um, he had been the, um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we'd give those away. He had the the joke book and the and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, I, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show. And uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and... Um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament little book about this big, this thick. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And, uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. 
but he was not uh, defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me. And then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. Turn the lights back on, please. I just, you know... We're not going to talk too much about what, what Penn had to, had to say, but I thought it really gets you thinking, doesn't it? He says, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize or evangelize or tell them about your faith? He says, if I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was bearing down on you and you didn't believe it, then there's a certain point where I tackle you, and this is more important than that. And I, what was so interesting to me is this is coming from an atheist. It's coming from a guy who does not believe in God, does not believe in eternal life, does not believe in a relationship with, with Jesus Christ or his death on the cross. And he's catching something, he understands something that I think a lot of us need to really get a hold of. And so I just, I just put that out there because it really gets you thinking. It, it's really challenging. Now, obviously, he, he doesn't have understanding of God's sovereignty and all these other things, but... It gets you thinking. Why do we plant churches? Why did we plant this church? Why do we invest time and money and resources into planting churches? Why do we want to tell people about Jesus Christ? Why do we want to be representatives of Jesus Christ to other people? Why do we do these things? Why can't we just kind of sit back passively and kind of just take in the Christian life and allow it to happen to us. And then worry about all the other stuff later. Well, let's look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're looking at verses 17 through 21. There's two challenges for us in this. And I want to look at the first one being the effects of the gospel. And the second one being the implications of the gospel. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21, the Apostle Paul is writing the church in Corinth, and this is what he writes. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message 
of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Lord, as we approach Your Word this morning, we ask that You would give us understanding hearts. Lord, we pray that You would open our eyes to see the glory and the majesty in these these passages. Lord, I pray that we would see Jesus Christ. And Lord, I, I pray that You would help us to fix our eyes upon You. You would turn our attention towards You. And God, we pray that Your Word would sink deep into our hearts and that You would give us the gift of faith, that we would respond with obedience and joy and worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to first look at the effects of the gospel. So this is what God is doing, what God has done. There's a number of things that that God is doing in this passage. Okay, so number one, in verse 17, we read this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. There's such a radical change that God is working in people that it's called a new creation. It's the difference between life and death. That now God has brought about new life. Not long ago, I think it was this summer, our little... Um, our daughter found a caterpillar. And we all know the story of caterpillars, but this caterpillar in particular, we found it, put this little caterpillar in a jar, and within like a day, we put a stick in there, and it looked like it was dead. It, like, it looked like it all withered out. It hadn't, looks like it had never had a drink of water in its life, and it kind of like dried up, and it looked really nasty. It wasn't a cocoon. It was like almost dead. It looked dead. And so we were going to throw it away, like, oh, too bad. We should have probably put some water in the jar. Obviously, this thing didn't make it. And so we felt kind of bad. But we did a little research online and found out that this is a different kind of caterpillar. It makes something called a chrysalis, I guess it's called. I don't know if we have any science teachers in here, but um, a chrysalis. And so at one moment, there's, it's, it's this dried-out, dead-looking, uh, poor caterpillar, and it's this real small little chrysalis that it's in and you can imagine being a caterpillar crawling along the ground not being able to see past the blade of grass that you're standing on the next minute you're you look dead and then out of this chrysalis there was this amazing butterfly came out it was huge i I have no idea how this thing got packed into this little thing but man this butterfly came out and it was beautiful and it was massive it was a complete change. I mean, there, it looked nothing like it did before. And it looked nothing like it just had looked, I mean, it looked nothing like the dried out dead thing. But there is a complete and total transformation. It can fly. It is, is healthy looking. It was just, it was unbelievable. In the same way, God says there is a transformation and change. When you came to Christ, when you came to Christ in faith, 
and asked him for the forgiveness of your sins, there was a transformation and change in your life. Can anybody say amen to that? Do we have any, does anyone want to share just a, a, just a brief testimony of what God did before and after in your life? Do you want to just come up right now and just say, this is what my life looked like and this is what God did in me? Any brave souls? Do I have to call on somebody? Please not let it be me. Who wants to just say, Michelle, you want to say something? Let me see that real quick. My wife's going to bail me out because no one, <laughs> no one was able to come up here. Thanks, honey. Before I was a Christian, I, um, I was addicted to stealing um, clothes and food and anything just because I could. I was very promiscuous, slept around with a lot of people, um, did drugs, drank alcohol, was arrested, was in jail. Um, after I became a Christian, the Lord set me free from that. Um, I quit stealing Quit doing drugs. Quit having sex <laughs> till I was married. Um, <laughs> How do we have five kids? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> um, and I, I also was hopeless before I became a Christian. And though I still struggle with my emotions and um, things like that, like that, I still have the hope of Jesus. Yeah. So there's a, a marked difference. So. Amen. Amen. Thanks, honey. And yes, we are pregnant with number five. Seriously. So, um, but there is a complete and total, was I supposed to say, can I say that? (laughs) I'm sorry. Just pretend like you didn't hear that. Brett, take that off the table. (laughs) There is a complete and total change of attitude and desires and thoughts and the way we treat one another. There There is a marked difference. There is a change. It is a new creation. But not only is there a new creation, number two, we see this in verse 18, there is, we have been reconciled with God. We have been reconciled with God. It says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. We have been reconciled to God. This means there has been a total change, a complete change of attitude and relationship. That our relationship with God is not the same as it used to be. That somehow in the mystery of, of the gospel of God, the way in which we relate to God has been changed. That at one time we were enemies of God. At one time we had turned our backs on God. And our relationship was that way with us in rebellion to God. But in the gospel, we have been reconciled to God. And our relationship has changed forever. Just like in a broken friendship, or marriage that needs to be reconciled, there is a change in relationship. There's a change which takes place that God has done, that God has reconciled us to Himself. We're a new creation. We've been reconciled to God. In salad dressing, we have oil and water. Yeah, this is a salad dressing example. I probably haven't heard that one before. In salad dressing, you have, you have water and oil, and they don't mix. So you pull it out of the fridge or whatever, it's completely separated, you shake it up, it goes together for a little bit, but then shortly afterwards it separates again. Over and over and over again. Water and oil do not mix. Now, take a jar of mayo, right? Mayonnaise, it's like 99% lard, I think, but it's like, it is mostly water and oil, but you don't have to shake it up, it stays together. And there's a reason for that. 
There's, there's something called an emulsifier, all right? Any, where's my science people at, right? There's an emulsifier in that, and it's called egg, right? The egg penetrates the water and the oil, and it brings them together in such a way that they're not, they're not going to separate now, okay? Now, with us and God, the emulsifier for us is the cross of Jesus Christ. That brings us together. That so penetrates our lives and our beings and who we are that it enables us as sinful people who have rebelled against God, who have turned our backs on God, to be made right with a holy and righteous and pure God. That in other words, there is no other way. There is no other way but the cross of Jesus Christ. That is the emulsifier in our relationship. It is what has brought us together. But number three, the effects of the gospel is also this, that we have been counted righteous. Look what it says in verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. That's Jesus Christ. So that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. There is something called imputed righteousness. Now, imputed is a big word. I know I'm going to explain it in a second. But it's what happens in order to make us, in order to allow us to be reconciled with God, there is a great exchange. Jesus took our sin. Jesus took our sin upon His body on the cross. He was punished in our behalf. And although He never sinned, He became sin for us. So that in Jesus, we would get, we would be given His righteousness. Now here's how this works. When Michelle and I first opened an online banking account, maybe five years ago, we opened this online banking account, and we put a little bit of money into one of our accounts, and I think we were trying to put, you know, $10, $15 a week in this, this account, and watch it add up. And lo and behold, after the first week, there's like 250 bucks in there. I'm like, wow, it's amazing. Online banking's like brilliant, you know? Well, every week after that, somehow $250 would keep being added to our account from out of nowhere. And so Michelle's like, well, should I call? I'm like, no, honey. The bank will figure this one out. Don't worry. Well, sure enough, after about three or four months, we should have had about 500. We had thousands in this account. And we were like, this is amazing. <laughs> the, the interest rate must be like, you know, 50% or something. I don't know. And so we did what good Christians do. We withdrew all the money, closed our account, and moved to a different bank. No. Um, called the bank. Sure enough, someone else's uh, checking account thing was somehow charged to ours. And so... Their money was being placed in our account by accident. Well, they withdrew all the money, and we went back to like 50 bucks in that account, which is very sad, but it's what happens, right? In the same way, when we come to God, right, and ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins, believing that he died on the cross for our sins, his righteousness is imputed or credited to our account, So when God looks at our account, he doesn't see the things that we have done necessarily. What he sees is the work of his son, Jesus Christ, and his perfect righteousness. 
And there is an unlimited amount of money in this account. And we might say, you know what, I don't deserve it. You're right, we don't. We didn't do anything to earn this money. This all has come from God. This, is, this righteousness that is in our account has been imputed to us from Jesus Christ. And so that's how it works. It's like this account. So this is the effects of the gospel from this passage in our lives. Number one, there's new life. The old has gone, the new has come. There's new life from God. Not only that, but we have been reconciled to God. We've been reconciled. There's been a complete change of relationship. God has made us right with himself through Jesus Christ. And we have been given his righteousness. We have, we have been in his righteousness, Jesus Christ's righteousness, his perfect obedience to the Father has been imputed into our account. Now, what is the implications from this passage for our lives? That is what has happened to us. That is the work that God has done in us. What is the implications for us? I want to look at three things, three implications. Number one, we are given God's message. Number two, we're also given God's heart. And number three, this is all for God's glory. So let's look at at number one. In verse 20, we see that we are given God's message. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. It is who making his appeal? It is God making his appeal through us. It's God making his appeal through you and I. This isn't us who are making an appeal. This is Almighty God who is making an appeal through us. We're ambassadors for him. So, what does an ambassador do? He's an official representative. Represents a person or a state or a country and goes on behalf of that person, state, or country to another place. It represents that person to other people. Now, I want to introduce you this morning to Bruce Oreck. You show a picture of Bruce. That is Bruce. This is the real official American ambassador to Finland. And that is his Christmas card. That is one bad dude, okay? Don't mess with, with, with Bruce Oreck. He's a bad dude. Well, this Christmas card had, had gotten out. This, this isn't Photoshop, so this is real. This guy used to be a, a bodybuilder. So he sent this Christmas card out, and it, it got on the Internet. And so the Washington Post checked in with the embassy and confirmed that, yes, that is his real arm. It's not Photoshopped. It also found out that the card was not officially embassy sanctioned okay it wasn't officially he just sent this out to a few friends it got on facebook it blew up everyone thought it was just awesome this guy's a stud right um but as a as an official representative of the united states government you can't you can't just go and do things that you would just want to do on your own you can't speak what you want to speak you can't go where you want to go you can't even send out christmas cards the way that maybe you'd like to send out the Christmas cards. Everything has to be approved. Even the Christmas card the ambassador sends out has to be officially approved by the U.S. government that says this Christmas card is okay. So, just show the real, so this is the real Christmas card. That's the official, that's the one he really sent out later, being the official one. I know you were wondering, well, what, what do you do then, right? But we have been trusted, we have been entrusted with a message. Not our message, not what we think is important, not what we want to say, not, not in the, the manner in which we want to say it. 
we have been given a specific message. And it's this message of the gospel. The very message that transformed and changed our lives is the very message that we have been entrusted with as ambassadors to communicate to people around us. That's what we've been given. It's a specific message. We represent the king. And as representatives of the king, we give the message that he wants us to give. Not my message, not your message. It's his message. That is what we communicate to people. We don't speak on our own behalf. We speak on behalf of the king. And we give the old, old message that has been changing lives for millennia. This message of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, has been changing and transforming lives for thousands of years. And it's the one that we have been called to give. So it's not just that we have a message to give and that we give the correct message. We also have a message to give in we're told in the manner in which we are to give this message. Look at the rest of verse 20. It's, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. So it's God's message. But we implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He says, we implore you. There is an urgency. We are urgently beseeching and entreating you. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. This isn't a message we say, you know what, here's the gospel, pal, take it or leave it, this is what it is. No, we're to communicate this with God's heart. There is an urgency to this message. And the way in which we communicate this message says volumes about the one who sent us. Just like Penn was saying in that video, the guy looked me in the eye, he was sincere. He wasn't this kind of phony guy who was just kind of slickly trying to Throw the, you know, chuck my Bible when no one's looking. There's a way in which this, the gospel was presented to him that was very winsome, that was honorable. And just like if that Christmas card with the guy, with, with the Oryx, you know, picture with the jacked arm was being sent out to everybody, it would say something, not just about the ambassador, but it would also say something about the one who's representing, right? If Americans all over the world sent out pictures with their ambassador flexing in the picture, that would communicate something about the United States to people, wouldn't it? It's important that the way in which America is represented is done in a way that is approved and is a way that doesn't like, look, make, make the country look bad that they're representing. Think of it like this. When you, I've been on a few international missions trips to Mexico and to Dominican Republic. And when you go there and you have to, to share in front of a crowd of people and they don't speak English, well, you need a translator, right? And so there are some very good translators and there's some very poor, bad translators. Well, Ryan Heath, you need to make sure you listen to this right now. Okay, this is for you. Um, The best translators do two things. Number one, they communicate the message that you're saying. So it's not just they're kind of thinking, well, here's what he really meant to say, and I'm going to say that. They're communicating what you exactly, word for word, what you had just said. But also they do this. They communicate in the manner in which you are communicating. So if I'm up here giving an appeal, and I'm sweating, and I'm pouring my guts out to everybody, and then there's the translator sitting over here just kind of back off in the corner and just kind of, you know, straight-faced, just speaking what I'm saying and just not really moving. 
well, it sends a mixed, it doesn't make sense. There's, there, there'll be some confusion. What, what is this guy really saying here? The best communicators translate what, it, what is being said, but also translate in the manner in which it is being said. It's not just what is being said, it's how it is being communicated. So Ryan, make sure you get that, okay? That's important. When your voice goes up, their voice goes up. When, you're, when you whisper, they whisper. When you get excited, they're getting excited. When you're getting sweaty, they're getting sweaty. It's a beautiful thing when it works. But that's the way it should be. God has called each one of us to be his ambassador. No exceptions. There's no out clauses for this one. There's no exemptions. Each one of us, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, he's given you new life, you are an ambassador for the king. That is who you are. Think about this. We relate, we relate to each other in church here as brothers and sisters in Christ. We relate to God as our Father, sons and daughters of the King. But we relate to the world and everyone around us, everyone else around us, as ambassadors. That is who we are. And unlike Bruce Oreck, who's, by the way, whose daddy is Mr. Oreck, the vacuum guy, and who also happened to raise an awful lot of money for Obama's campaign, he got in because he was able to get all kinds of money, had the right connections, and his daddy happened to be the vacuum guy, got in to be the U.S. ambassador to Finland. We, however, because of Jesus Christ, not because of our connections, not because we had enough money, not because we were good enough, because of Jesus Christ, we are ambassadors. That is who we are. That is what God has called us to be. Now, lastly... This is all for God's glory. This is all for God's glory, not for our glory. I have a friend of a friend, okay? So it's it's twice removed, a friend of a friend. I don't know this guy, but my friend knows this guy. True story. A friend of a friend who's in the British Navy. And in the Navy, he assisted, I think it was like an admiral on this big battleship or whatever it was. And they would go... They would go to different countries in the world, and they would, they would do sometimes, they would settle disputes between countries. Sometimes they would, you know, put out some rebels that were rising up in smaller countries, and they would help and bring aid to various countries. Now, in doing this, after they would successfully negotiate or um, arbitrate a, a disagreement between countries or put down a rebel uprising, whatever they would do, they would receive gifts from this country. And one time in particular, he said, this country, I think it was somewhere in the Middle East, gave the admiral a diamond-encrusted sword. And this thing would have just been worth an insane amount of money. Just beautiful, it was awesome. But, here's the catch, the admiral couldn't keep any of it. It didn't belong to him. It wasn't his sword. Because it wasn't his battleship. These weren't his men. He wasn't going on, on his own behalf. He was going on behalf of the crown. And he was representing the crown. So anything that was given to him had to pass through his hands and go back to the homeland where it rightfully belonged. He couldn't keep in and say, you know what, this really is mine. I mean, this is all my stuff and I did such a good job and this is really belongs to me. He couldn't do any of that. It had to pass right through his hands 
go right back to where it rightfully belonged. In the same way for us, as God's ambassadors, being sent by God with God's message, in the heart and manner in which God has so graciously came to us, we ourselves give glory to God. And this really is worship. This is worship. When we see any amount of gospel fruit in our lives or in people's lives around us, all glory be to God. It's not we can sit back and never say, you know what, that gospel fruit was because I stuck with that person. We don't get any glory. It all goes back to the crown, right? It all goes back to the king, where it rightfully belongs, because he is the one who is pursuing. He is the one who is reconciling. He is the one who is bringing to new life. He is the one who has made a way through the cross of Jesus Christ for each one of us to come to salvation. He is the one who's done all these things. So all glory goes to the Lord. And when we do this, when we give glory to God, it is our worship. It is our privilege. We get to do this. So what are we going to do? Knowing that, where do we go from here? It'd be nice to present some kind of real slick evangelistic campaign that we're going to do. And it's, you know, all this kinds of fun stuff and videos and plans. Here's what I simply want us to do. We're going to pray. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to start at the foundation of all evangelism, of all representing God, of, of life transformation. We're going to start going to God, recognizing that it is Him who does the work through us in Jesus, and we're going to pray. And so we're going to pass out some cards. We're going to pass those out. These cards that we have, the Mercy Hill Five, five lines, and the other side it says a, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, James 5.16. You're going to fill these cards out with five names, five families or five names. And we as a church are going to begin to pray for the people around us. When I found when I'm praying for people, when I'm praying for specifically people who do not know Christ, it is amazing. The doors that open up, the opportunities that you get to, to share, the, the, the way in which um, God opens our eyes. Because a lot of times we have a conversation with someone we don't really realize Oh, I could have really, you know, talked about the Lord or whatever it was. It's simply through prayer. It's not slick. It's not smooth. It's not some big kind of campaign. This is simply us going before the Father, asking Him to do what He does so well and what He does day in and day out. And that's transform and change people's lives. And so what I'd like you to do today some point, if you have your pen on you now, fill this card out. Five names of people who need to know Jesus. Whether it's at work, in your neighborhood, in your family, friends around you, put their names on here. Don't walk up to them and say, oh, I put your name on the card, buddy. I'm praying for you, sinner. Don't do that. I do want you to keep this, though, in your wallet or your purse or somewhere where you are going to remember to pray. And we're going to pass these out probably next week and we have them available because what happens is you get it, that's great, put it in your pocket, it gets crunched up, forget about it, it goes through the wash and then nothing really happens. We're going to do this for three months. 
and to see what happens. To see what happens. Just pray together. And especially coming up with a week of prayer and fasting, it's a great opportunity for us as we pray and fast to lift up names to the Lord who need people who need to come to know Jesus. So everyone have a card? Everyone have a card? Okay, good. And so with that, we're going to close. We're going to celebrate communion together. But I want us as ambassadors of God to realize and understand that it is Almighty God, is all of heaven is behind this message that we proclaim. It is God's goodness and His grace and His mercy that He has ransomed and redeemed us and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we close out this morning, God, we pray that You would give us a boldness. You would give us the grace to persevere in prayer. You would give us a love for the people around us, a compassion that it would be with your heart, with your message, and be for your glory. And Lord, we thank you for the work that you've done in our lives, transforming and changing us, giving us a righteousness that did not belong to us. Thank you, Jesus. Now we pray, Lord, that you would do this work in our hearts for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.